we are a church that serves. Last week, if you were here, Pastor Jimmy, one of our uh, pastor friends in the city, he was here and he talked about Pastor Manny. How many of you guys heard him talk about Pastor Manny last week? Awesome. Several of you did. I'm going to show you a quick video here in just a second about how we can support and help Pastor Manny. So Jake, do you mind playing that video real quick, please? To give people an idea, I mean, we've our offering averages about two fifty a week. Um, it's it's so we watch every penny that we do, but most of the money that we do have, we use it for outreach. We use it to spread the kingdom. We use it to teach people about Christ. So, whenever we do make major improvements on our property, it's from blessings. It's, this church is ran off of blessings. It, it is a church that, that, that if the body of Christ doesn't step up, this, this church would shut down. But because they have, it hasn't. So what I want you to notice from that video is, did you notice one that Manny's wearing a uniform, all right? He's a full-time plumber, more than full-time. He works a lot of hours every week. And then he also is a father and a husband, and he is pastoring this church. And um, I've been to his facility twice, and man, does it need some help, right? I don't know if you even paid attention to the porch he was sitting on, but it's falling apart. He doesn't have the time or energy. David and Sarah were out there earlier today. They actually went to church there this morning and worshiped with them. It's a facility that needs a lot of TLC, right? I'm going to talk to you tonight about serving in a different capacity, but here's the capacity of serving. It's where you swoop in and swoop out. And so here's how we can get involved as a people uh, with Hope Community Church. If you are a skilled carpenter, like you know how to like build stuff, they're wanting to build a porch and a roof, right? So if you have some skills in that, uh, here's the deal. You don't want me doing any of that kind of thing. I'll go to Home Depot and get you lunch. I'm, I'm no good at building it. I can break stuff, uh, but, not, but if you are skilled then you can go to Meet the Need. There's another form back here uh, online. It's um, the Meet the Need. The logo looks just like that. It's on our website. And you can literally say, I'm going to help build the porch or I'm going to help build the roof. Now, for the rest of us that aren't skilled in that, we, need, we can put in some sweat equity. We can pick up uh, trash and put it in the dumpster. He has a room that is completely filled. I mean, completely filled with just stuff. Now, I would call it junk. I'm not sure he would call it that. But we're going to take it and we're going to clean out his fellowship hall so he'll have a lot more space to do uh, awesome ministry for the kids they reach in that area. That's going to happen on June the 13th. That's a few weeks away, Saturday, the June, thir- June 13th. And we're going to work in two potential shifts. For those of you who are morning folks, we're going to do 930 to 12. We're going to have lunch in the middle of the day, and then the afternoon crew, we're going to do one to four. And so I ask that you pick one of those. It's in KC Mo, and all of the details about when and where and all the, all the projects we're trying to accomplish, again, are on our website, newcitychurch.com. Go to the events and classes tab or just stop at the computer back here, and Brandy will show you. But we would love for us, uh, I'm going, I'd love for you guys to go with me and get involved. Here's what I'll tell you about serving. Um, serving is a great evangelistic tool because your friends may not come to church with you, but I bet they'll go serve with you somewhere. And so, man, bring somebody along and let them see that not all Christians are crazy. Some are, but not all, right? So um, let's do this. Um, Whenever somebody comes over to my house, one of the things that I do when I open the door for them is I say, hey, how you doing? Welcome to the Miller house, right? I I try my best to make that visitor feel welcome in my home. And if you're here visiting tonight, Welcome to New City Church, and as a people who attend New City, why don't we stand and welcome our guests, welcome each other, and say, man, glad you're here, and then we're going to jump into the teaching, okay? Why don't we stand and do that now?
What if the church is losing influence? Less than 20% of Americans attend church and it will no longer be that we are changing the world. Outside of church walls, there is no hope. For those who say we will bring hope are not living out what they preach. Let them no longer say they came together to make Jesus known. What if we forget this common purpose? The church cannot lay aside our differences and actually serve together. What if we abandon the city? We will refuse to look back and say, what if we did more? What if we could change it? What if we stepped out of denominational lines? What if we were united under one cause? What if we brought the love of Christ to our city? What if we flipped the script and did more? What if we look back and say we will refuse to abandon the city? What if we actually serve together and lay aside our differences? The church cannot forget this common purpose. What if we came together to make Jesus known? Let them no longer say they are not living out what they preach. We will bring hope for those who say there is no hope. Outside of church walls, we are changing the world. It will no longer be that less than 20% of Americans attend church and the church is losing influence. What if? So What If is a collaboration of churches all across the Kansas City metro area, about 40 of us, and all 40 churches, although different denominations and sometimes different thinkings on scriptural things, at the heart of us, every one of us has this confession that Jesus is Lord. So Jesus is the foundation of What If the Church. And what we do every year about this time is churches get in groups of three. So out of the 40, they put us in triads of three, and for four weeks we do unique things. We do something that's kind of rare, actually, in American churches, that we share each other's pulpits. So last week, Jimmy from Overland Park was here. Next week, Pastor Bill Rose from Impact Fellowship will be here, and I've been speaking at their churches on the, other, on the, on the weekends uh, to, before us and then next. And then on the fourth week, uh, we partner together to do a unique serve project, Pastor Manny. And so not only New City will be there on the 13th, but also Pastor Jimmy's Overland Park uh, congregation and uh, Impact Fellowship's congregation will be joining us. So that's kind of what What If is. This church right here was planted three years ago because three churches in What If said, after the whole thing was over, they kind of liked each other. They said, hey, what would it look like if we started a church together? And so there was a Christian church, a Bible church, and a Baptist church. So you have interdenominations working together, which is rare, right? If you have any kind of church history, that's odd, right? And they just looked for the right knucklehead that could work with all three. Here I be, right? And so, uh, man, it's been a really, yeah, you can think, yeah, David, appreciate that. I'll give you your 20 bucks later. So it's been a great, it's been a great, great ride. Um, so I'm going to talk to you tonight about serving and not just serving at, hey, let's go to the homeless shelter, which is a great way to serve and bless, but what does serving look like 
on a bigger scale. And I kind of wanted to start with a with a story. My wife and I, we I met Jen uh, in South Florida. I lived in Fort Lauderdale for 10 years, and my wife was a Florida girl. And if you're wondering why we moved from South Florida to Kansas City, it's because somebody told us the weather was awesome. Lied, right? Now this I could be at the beach right now, right? And not um, the, beach, the ocean's coming to us. Anyway, but uh, so we moved here to, to plant the church. By the way, we love the Midwest. It's great. But my favorite part about South Florida is not the heat, and it's not the beach, and it's definitely not the sand. I really hate all those things, to be honest with you. Uh, I love the intercoastal. And I don't know if you know much about the intercoastal, but the intercoastal is just that, part, that port just west, of, we were on the east coast, just west of the ocean where there's no waves. The water is really flat and calm, but it's still salt water, but it's flat and calm, and the homes are beautiful, like homes that I would never be able to afford ever, right? And probably you either. I mean, they're, just, they're gorgeous, million-dollar homes. The boat is more expensive than my house now. I mean, it's crazy lifestyle, right? But I love which I would love to drive by slowly. Like when I drove through Los Olas, have you ever been to South Florida? For Florida, I would drive slow through Los Olas because I love looking at those homes and going, man, they're just the architecture, they're just beautiful. Well, those homes, most of them are built over the water, and so their foundation is are stilts. Like there are these wooden posts that are sitting in the water. And if you know much, you probably know this that wood and salt water don't always mix, right? And so what you may not know is how they begin to replace those things. And you might think that they would just rip them out. They don't do that. Because if they were to rip them out, it would mess with the foundation. What the construction guys do, or as my son Luke calls them, my four-year-old son, what the worker men do is the worker men install new stilts under the home next to the old stilts and let the old ones naturally rot and fall away. So nobody gets, nothing gets tore up, nothing gets destroyed. They just replace something new besides something old and let the old go away. Here's a biblical principle or a principle that I want to start off with this evening uh, that goes in line with that story, and it's this. It is typically easier to start something new than to change something old. When you think about your life, when you think about uh, from your personal situation or from your ministry to all the way up to a whole church, it's typically easier to start something new, to start a new ministry, start a new habit, start something new than it is to change something old. Because we get set in our ways, we get established, we get our thinking kind of put in concrete, and it's really hard to shift that. And when someone comes along and tries to change you, oh, that's when your gloves come up, right? I don't want to change you. I don't have time to change you. You don't have time to change me. Here's what I want to encourage you in tonight. is how do we start a new attitude, a new way of thinking, or maybe even a new action steps because it's easier to start something new than to change something old. When you think about old stuff, I think about like uh, how the church currently in America operates. Now, not every church. Like this one would be kind of a different story. Maybe the one that you go to or you visited in the past. But think about churches in general. Uh, it, this is, comes to mind. Um, the people of those churches sit on 13th uh, century furniture that we call pews. Anybody have any pews in your home? You've probably replaced those, right, with a lazy boy or something, right? Uh, in those churches, they are led by 14th century instruments that we call pianos and organs. How dare you have a drum set, right, or an electric guitar? Um, in these churches, uh, some of these churches, uh, the, the version of the Bible is a 15th century text called the King James Version with these and thous, and uh, how dare you, you teach out of the NET, the New English Translation, or the NIV, or some other modern one. Uh, the choir might wear 16th century fashion that we call robes, and they lead us in 17th century pop hits called hymns. Now, I love hymns. We did one tonight, How Great the Father. Isn't that awesome? I love it. I could do it again right now. And like Matt, shut up. We'll sing that song, and I'd be totally happy. I love that song. I request it all the time. It's a hymn. I love it. 
But we, if we're not careful, we will do all of this old stuff as church people and wonder why we're not reaching the people of the 21st century. This is why. It seems, if we're not careful, that we become more committed to preserving the methods, right? The methods rather than proclaiming the gospel. This is not just true with churches. It's also true in our own individual lives. Like, there's no pews in this house. We didn't hold a hymnal, although we did a hymn. I'm not wearing a robe. I'm not teaching out a King James Version. But I promise if you hang along here, around here long enough, you will see tradition. You will see things that I don't want you messing with. We have a specific way that we like to do certain things. And when someone says, hey, you need to change it, I get a little frustrated. I'm just being honest. And we're a three-year-old church, so imagine what a 30-year-old or a 300-year-old church is going to be like. It's easier to start something new than to change something old. And if we're not careful, we will marry the model instead of the mission. No, you date the model, you marry the mission. We've got to be careful to change or not, not be afraid to change even in our own personal life. Like, uh, I'll give you this example. I'm 37, and uh, in, in research, my age, uh, right a year or two before or after me, we're the age where uh, we're weird, and we're weird in this sense. Like some of the folks my age are really either into social media or we're not, or we're kind of confusing about it. Like the only reason I have a Facebook and Twitter account is for communication. I feel like I have to have it. If I didn't feel like I have to have it, guess what? I'd delete that sucker tonight because I hate them both. Now, my sister, who's 34, does all of life on social media. If you want to hear about everything that's going on, good or bad, like she has a, uh, she vomits up all of her stuff on social media, and I've quit trying to tell her that nobody cares because. And that's not bad. I just would never do it. I don't understand it, right? I, I'm, I'm in that, it, I don't, and most people older than me, you have the same attitude with social media. I'm not saying that there's not those rare cats. There are, but most, my age and older are like, yeah, I don't know. But younger, man, and forget somebody in their 30s, talk to somebody that's 19. I mean, I don't even know to begin how to do Instagram, right? You mean there's one more thing I got to keep up with? Now, some of you are with me, and some of you are like, man, you're such an old... I am, I get it, right? Now here, but here's the challenge. Here's the challenge. If I'm not careful, there, there's a lot of differences in my age group, and those are younger. And so if you're my age older, this is what I'm saying. When I'm out and I meet somebody who's younger than me, and the topic of religion or spiritual things or Jesus comes up, if I am married to a method, my evangelism style on how I choose to serve them, because it's all part of service, my evangelism style would be, if I could convince you of the truth that I know, then you would shift your thinking and you would become a Christian. Because that's what happened to me. Someone told me enough truth, enough facts, and I believed it. I researched it. I said, hey, you're right. But what happens now with the generations that we're a part of is they go, well, that's great for you, but I don't know if I would call that a truth. That's a truth for you, but not for me. Now, if you're my age or older, we get frustrated and say, oh, you're such a knucklehead. Of course this is truth. But see, they, don't, they didn't grow up in the world you grew up in. Like in this young man's life, I guarantee you, no, 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 listen. Um, that's your truth, not mine. I have, younger generation is more about experiencing the things of God rather than reading about what God did and saying, oh, well, it must be facts. Now, the reason I'm using this as an example, if us old people, right? You say, I'm not old. Well, you're older than somebody. If us old people in the room stick to our methods and say, well, you just need to get it, guess what? We become that grouchy old person. We become that grouchy Christian. We become that person that you used to be frustrated at when you were 19. So we have to step away from our methods and what we've known. And we have to, if I would give you an example, step into relationship and conversation. 
Because here's what I believe about Jesus that everybody in this room would discover if they would honestly. Here's what frustrates me about um, the younger generation. They have a hard time accepting the Bible as truth, but yet everything else they read, they, they, read, they, expect, they, 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 they take as truth. Not God's word. No, no, no. That's your, that's your opinion. This over here says this. Well, why do you believe this and not the Bible? See, that makes my mind go, I mean, it angers me. I'm like, I don't get it. But I'm learning, and it's hard, but I'm learning, that if I would develop conversations and relationship and be able to talk and have a conversation, about, an honest back-and-forth conversation, it's no longer about truth and not truth, right and not being wrong. It's simply about experience. Because here's what I believe with all of my heart is that if you're in this room and you've yet to say yes to Jesus, for whatever reason, if you're like this when it comes to God, here's what the people in Jesus' day found, and this is what I think that you would find as well. Jesus works. And I'm not talking about he's right or wrong. I'm just saying that when you understand what he said and you model your life after what he said to do, you will discover that he actually works. That he, he, my friend Dan says this all the time. Somebody will say, oh, I don't believe, and I do this, whatever. And he's always like, well, how's that working for you? Oh, it's not working very well. Well, why don't you try the methods and the tactics and the strategies of Jesus? Because Jesus, actually, he works. Now, all of that to get here. We have to shift our thinking, our method, as a congregation, as a church, to where we don't have it at the end goal of saying, Everything we do, all the ways that we serve is so that people come here. Can I tell you a secret? And I've been doing this for almost 20 years. I'm kind of over presentation gospel. Because here's the thing. Some of you agree with me. Some of you don't. But most of you will give me the, won't give me the opportunity. Most of you will not give me the opportunity to sit across from the coffee table or from lunch table or something and talk about the things that I'm talking about. And so I'm going to come tonight and I'm going to blab out 30 minutes, 25 minutes, 20 minutes of some stuff that I've been researching and learning. And you never get an opportunity to ask me back any questions. And so you leave here going, I don't know if I agree with that or I don't know if I believe that. But yet, who are you, uh, who are you uh, talking about to those things that you disagree? Are you going to talk to your buddy who has no idea either? And so it's like the blind leading the blind and you're just running into stuff and you keep dating the same way and you keep spending money the same way and you keep working the same way and life just keeps sucking for you rather than speaking to someone who's kind of living out the best they can the biblical principles and that it's working. Like, who are you hanging out with in life that you want to be like when you grow up? Do you have that man? Do you have that woman? Presentation sometimes is not always the best thing. That's why I love our community dinners that we do, specifically Sunday after 5 p.m. We're going to do one next week, Carolyn reminded me. So if you're here next Sunday at 5 o'clock, after service, we're going to sit down and have a meal together. What I love about that is I sit across, just like I did with Joel last week, and we're going to, I'm going to hear Joel's story. Joel's a famous reggae singer. Did you guys know that? Joel's like, man, I'd ask for the plug. But you can buy a CD, Jefferson 77 or 77 Jefferson, right? He's great. I'll listen to his stuff online. I would have never known that because I don't look at Joel and go, hey, reggae. I don't do that. But when I hear him sing and play, I'm like, man, this man's great. And I hear his story about he and Leilani and Kaylani and their kid. Conversation is king. Conversation is key when we begin building relationships. Here's what I want you to hear. Everything that we do as Christians must change from the space in which we do it to the people that which we are. Maybe this is a refresher for some of you. Maybe it's new stuff to hear. But here's the statement I want to make to you. You must never again say, I'm going to church. And you from here on out must understand that you are the church. So anytime your friend, your spouse, your mom, your kid, anyone says, hey, let's go to church, slap them on the wrist in the name of Jesus and say, no, 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 we're not going to church. We are the church. And we have to change that thinking. 
We have to actually, maybe we have to start a new thinking that says, you know what, when I, listen, when we leave here tonight, everybody's going to different places. We're not all going to the same place. We're going to 60 different places. And in those 60 different places, if the biblical text is accurate, the salt of the earth should go to 60 different places and be salty and live different. Not go out there so we can try to get people to come back in here, but how do we take the church to them? I want to show you a biblical example in Acts chapter 16, uh, just in a few verses, in verses 13 through verses 24. I'm going to zip through this because I will have you out here at 6.05. Are you ready? Here we walk in Rome. Acts 16 uh, uh, verses 13. This is the story of the first church. These folks didn't have anything figured out. They were figuring out everything on the fly. And look at this. Like they had no Bible to read except the Old Testament. Like we have Acts and Corinthians and Romans and all this stuff that we base our theology off of. All they had was the Old Testament text and what they heard Jesus say and what they saw Jesus do. That was it. And the rest of it, they were figuring it out. And look what they say here. This is Paul and Silas. On the, on the Sabbath day, it was a Saturday, we went outside the city gate to the side of the river where we thought there would be a place of prayer, and we sat down and began to speak to the women who had assembled there. A woman named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth from this city that I can't pronounce and you can't either, a God-fearing woman, listened to us. The Lord opened her heart to respond to what Paul was saying. After she and her household were baptized, she urged us, if you consider me to be a believer in the Lord, come and stay in my house. And she persuaded us. Now, real quick, Lydia was rich, dealer of purple cloth in the fashion world. She was rich, and all of the women that were with her were probably beautiful models. It's kind of funny because Paul's like, they had to persuade us. I bet they had to try really hard, Paul, right? Come and stay in the house of me and beautiful women. Okay. And so going on. Now, as we were going to the place of prayer, a slave girl met us who had a spirit that enabled her to foretell the future by supernatural means. She brought her owners a great prophet by fortune telling. She followed behind Paul and us and kept crying out, Notice this in Scripture. Every time you read somebody who has an evil spirit or a demon possessed, they always speak the truth about God and his followers. The demons can't lie. These spirits can't lie when it comes to Jesus. Look what she says. She says, these men, are, these men are servants of the Most High God who are proclaiming to you the way of salvation. She continued to do this for many days, but Paul became greatly annoyed. I think Paul was always greatly annoyed. But Paul became greatly annoyed and turned to the girl and said to her, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. That's the nice way Paul turned around and said, would you shut up? That's what he said. So anyway, and it came out of her at once. Notice this. But when her owners saw their hope of profit was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them to the marketplace before the authorities. Now, skip down to verse 22. The crowd joined the attack against them. This is in the marketplace. What started at a river has now ended up at the marketplace, right, where this girl's falling around and saying, hey, these men are people of God. Like, men, these are important guys. What they're saying will bring salvation. Paul's like, you've got to stop. The evil spirit comes out, verse 22. It says, The crowd joined the attack against them, and the magistrates or the government officials tore the clothes off Paul and Silas and ordered them to be beaten with rods. After they had beaten them severely, they threw them into prison and commanded the jailer to guard them securely. Receiving such orders, he threw them into the inner cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. I want you to notice this. And I, I made this statement at Impact Fellowship last week when I spoke there, and the people looked at me really funny. And I, but I'm going to say it again, and I'm going to do my best to unpack it, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to close the service on this. How quickly we read that right there. You probably didn't even give any second thought to it. But Paul and Silas are simply going out, doing the work of the ministry in the streets. They don't have an agenda. They're walking down the road. This girl keeps yapping, keeps yapping, keeps yapping. Paul says, man, come out of her. She does it. And the economic status of that woman's friends goes kaput. And so they now are in deep, deep trouble where they get their clothes ripped off of them and they get severely beaten. When's the last time you've been severely beaten because of something you believe? 
My statement that I made last week at Impact Fellowship that people kind of said, whoa, to, is that I think sometimes us Christians in America need a good beating. Well, let me explain it. If you're in this room and you're here because you're a um, cultural Christian, just kind of the group that you fit in the most with, or you're a congregational Christian, it's just kind of a, uh, something you've always done and you kind of have connections to a certain type of faith. When someone threatens to hurt you or your family with force, or when trouble comes your way, here's what the cultural and congregation Christians do. They leave. They depart. They shake their fist at the heavens and they say, oh, we tried that spiritual thing, but God, look what God did. He didn't do anything, and so now we're suffering for it, and they leave the church. And that's why the numbers of church growth are dropping, not because Christians are no longer Christians, it's because posers are leaving the church. Because all of a sudden, it's not necessarily cool or even kind of even culturally accepted to be a church goer. Tell your coworkers that you go to church every Sunday and see what they say to you. They're going to think you're weird. They're going to make fun of you. Your family's going to think you've lost your mind. Why? Because we are no longer in a culture that accepts as freely and as accepting what we do right here, right now. However, if you're in this room and you know that God has saved your sorry about a time or two, I'm not talking about he got you out of that speeding ticket. You don't, don't. I'm talking about those times in your life where if it was not for Jesus, you're, you would be divorced right now. And if it was not for Jesus, you might even be dead right now. And if it wasn't for Jesus pulling you through such a deep, dark time of depression or hurt, you don't know where you would be right now. For those of us, because there's been times in my life, man, I could go back to October and I could tell you, man, God rescued this old boy and his family from a, a really serious hurt. And I see what God has done in my family. I see what God has done in my children. I see what God has done in me. Because I'm telling you, although you might see me on the stage and you thought Matt was really strong, I will sit in my garage every morning at 6.30 crying out to God saying, I don't know what I'm going to do. For those of us who have been there, and someone says, you better stop talking about that Jesus and you better change your story or else, bring on the or else. Because if it wasn't for him, listen, I would not be here today. The church needs a good beating. So that the real church would stand up. So that the real people of God, not some facility, but that the real people of God would stand up and say, you know what, no matter what you do to me, no matter what you say to me, no matter what you threaten me with, I'm not going to denounce what my faith is. And I'm not going to stop living for Jesus. I'm not going to stop being the church out there because it's uncomfortable for you. You want to know why your friends and your family don't think this is important anymore? It's because for too long, men like me have stood up here and made it safe and made it comfortable and have asked other people who no longer care about this to follow some little mini sissy Jesus who doesn't care how you live. Newsflash, new theology for some of us in the room. Jesus cares a great deal about how you represent him out there. Study this week. Why did Moses, I talked about Moses earlier. Why did Moses not get to go to the promised land? Because Moses got mad at the people, he smashed the he hit the rock, broke the tablets, because how he represented God. He Moses made the people think that God was mad at the people, and God pulls Moses aside and says, "Hey, buddy, you represented me in the wrong way because I have a lot of grace towards these punks, but yet you have represented me poorly. Therefore, your punishment is this: you will not get to go to the land that you've been walking towards." Jesus is very much concerned. People, please hear this. 
He is very much concerned if you call yourself a Christ follower, you call yourself a Christian, he is concerned how we live outside those walls. And it has everything to do about service. If your service is always just feeding in the food line or helping the homeless and you swoop in and you swoop out, man, listen, you, you're, you're missing, that's, that's, that is service. I'm not saying it's not. But there is a deeper, richer uh, type of service where you go and you stay. You go and you stay. And when you go and you stay, things begin to happen. I want to show you a video that's really cool. Chris and some friends of his from the church have been going over to Arbor Square doing ministry. And two weeks ago, one of those ladies wrote follow on her connect card that she was accepting Jesus as her personal Lord and Savior. It's on Mother's Day. I called her, set up a time to meet with her at Starbucks. When she walked in, I had no idea it was Aunt V. Aunt V's been coming to New City for quite some time. I go, Aunt, I'm like, you probably think I'm a big jerk not knowing who you are. Because on the phone, I'm saying, hey, Victoria, how are you? What's well, Aunt V. She never should have wrote Aunt V on her card. Anyway, I'm talking to Aunt V, and Aunt V says that she's never been baptized, that she's trusted Jesus. She believes in his, um, she, she acknowledges the cross. She believes in the resurrection. She confesses her life to follow him, but she's never been baptized. And I said, well, Aunt V, what are you waiting on? She goes, I don't know. And I go, well, why don't you take that step? You're reading it in Scripture. You're telling me. I'm not telling you. She says, okay, I want to show you what Aunt V did this morning. Jake, can we play that? Now, that is the fruit of a people choosing to serve, helping kids with their homework, not swooping in and swooping out, but staying. I won't embarrass the man. There's another, there's another gentleman at New City Church who just got baptized last Thursday at Arbor Square in the swimming pool. Again, it's this idea of service. Mike, you want to stand up? You mind being? Can we brag on you? Awesome, man. Rock and roll. Now, thank you, buddy. And his daughter's here with him tonight. How did that happen? It wasn't because we swooped in and swooped out. It's because the people went over and they stayed. And guys, here's all I'm saying to you. You can no longer have the mentality. You've got to start something new in your thinking that wherever you go, that's where the church is. That that's where the church is. Be the church. Represent God. The, the best you can. You said, Matt, I don't know how. I'm, it freaks me out. Get in a story group. Walk with us any way that you can. Come to a fireside. Grab dinner after church. Invite. I love to eat. I love coffee. Take me out. I'm a cheap date. I'm a cheap date. And we'll talk and we'll just disciple along the way. But guys, that's the heartbeat. David, would you stand up one more time? David has a name tag on that's brown. You need to know this if you're coming to the new city. If you see somebody wearing that brown name tag, here's what it means. That means that's somebody that I and the other pastors trust to not only talk and pray with you. Trisha Traub, she doesn't have hers on, but she's another one. Trisha, you want to stand up? Trisha Traub is one of these. And there's probably more, but I'm going to get confused and forget somebody. But these are, these are men and women that we trust to pray and talk to you. And so tonight I'm about to pray. They're going to be at this back table back here. And if you need somebody to pray and encourage you along the way, man, please go find myself, David or Trisha, and let us do that. Can I pray for us? Father, thank you so much for tonight. Thank you for that. This is the day I acknowledge publicly that this is the day where you sent your spirit, man. And God, I am so grateful and thankful for that. And I pray for the men and women in this room who, God, who aren't um, honestly tapping into your power and listening to your voice. Jesus, would you inspire us to look more like you? It's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. I'm going to-